0: Hi, you are listening to Mobile Couch, and this is a show where we talk about furniture refurbishment. On the go. On the go. In a truck, I think, maybe. But probably also mobile development, because I don't know anything about, like, doing up couches and stuff. So that would be a very short and useless podcast. This show is hosted by Ben Trengrove. Hello. And myself jelly aka daniel farrelly and uh this is episode number 72 and i don't think we've got any follow up so we can just get straight into today's topic which i think was born from some big news that happened recently yeah so
1: ikea announced their latest round of couches um we've got the <laughs> Tider fours retailing for 399 pounds so again, <laughs> I actually looked that up. That's real.
0: <laughs> oh, wow. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Big news. Big news. Big news. Definitely should pick that up. The real big news was,
1: of course, Swift being open sourced. Finally. Although, to be honest, like everyone thought it was never happening, but they always said it would be by the end of the year. And so they kind of beat that by a month. So yeah. well done, Swift well, team.
0: Well, kind of. Kind of beat it by a month. I mean... December is kind of a write-off, I think, for most Apple stuff. Like, I mean, they shut down the App Store over, like, the 20-ish, 22nd, I want to say, at a at a guess, for, like, five or six days. So, at at that point, like, the rest of the year doesn't even matter. And that's, like, essentially two weeks. Well, they beat that. So, they beat what they said. They beat that. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And, I mean, it took them a
1: while because... There's so much there. It's so much more than there I ever expected. Yeah. Like what I was expecting was kind of like how Objective C is open source cuz the Objective C runtime is it's there, it's open source, but no one talks about it. Like they just literally I think put it in a repo and go, "Yeah, look, it's open source. <laughs> you can see the source.
0: It's open and you can see it."
1: Yeah, kind of I guess also kind of like Android where Android is this open source operating system, but it's not really because they don't accept pull requests or anything and they only put yeah. up the source after a version is released so you can't see anything about the future or
0: yeah and in that way i guess the new swift is kind of like it's more it's more like the the traditional open source and it's kind of well-managed it seems to be like fairly well managed and well thought out it's it's kind of exciting because it means that like the the future of the platform the future of iOS and I guess to an extent, probably mac os too uh like it's you know it's a future where that you're probably going to be writing in a language that you can also help write, which is awesome,
1: definitely, so people have already submitted pull requests, yeah, there was a million pull requests for typos. I saw a tweet from Chris Latner saying Swift is on its way to being the most uh oh, correctly spelled <laughs> library of all time, something like that. I thought that was funny. Yep. And then people thought he was like being negative about it. But he then replied saying he didn't mean it like that. And that it was great because fixing typos is how you get started in open source software. So he was all for it. Oh, yeah.
0: It's so good to see. It always bothers me when I'm looking at a- a documentation. I'm like, that word is spelt wrong. It's the-, it's the wrong there. Yeah. Ah,
1: yeah. Another thing that really surprised me about the
0: open sourcing was they basically just put up the whole repo. Like the full commit history is there. Yeah, I mean, even when I've like open sourced open sourced libraries, I've only ever started with like my initial commit is the initial bit that I actually in- want you know the world to see. Yeah, the entire library
1: initial commit here's the library.
0: Pretty much, there's no there's no like writing the first few f- first few bits and then just committing it. Maybe I'm doing get wrong.
1: Yeah, well, oh. according to Apple now you are. Ah, so the first commit was five years ago. July 18th, 2010, and it was initial commit, not much to see here, and it was a bunch of make files, basically. It was basically a new C++ project. Right. So pretty cool. And then it looks like Swift was kind of just a, I wouldn't say side project, but it was pretty much just Chris Latner working on it slowly himself for about two years until roughly 2013, when it seems to have become a focus for Apple, because then the commits just skyrocket and it... Goes up to about eight people working on it.
0: Yeah, I actually watched today a video um, that it's basically a visualization of the commit history. Oh, that's cool. Let me see if I can find it and link you up. Uh, And I'll drop the link in the show notes. So it shows like all the commits happening, and the people are just kind of like these little things flying around. And it's it's insane how just like how it grows and grows and grows because it's not just over one repo either; it's over all the different repos Mm. that make up um, the Swift libraries. But basically, it's just like, it's, it's insane. Like this, and this video kind of shows it. It, it's like this crazy tree of things that just grows and grows and grows. And you see how, like, you know, Chris Lightner is kind of adding bits and pauses for a bit and then adds some more bits. And then suddenly, like, it, like, expands out in these, uh, all these new libraries and stuff. It's, it's crazy. So crazy. It's so Such cool that we get to project. see this stuff. Yeah. No, it's insane. It's it's excellent that we've gotten to see this stuff. And it's so very unlike Apple. I want I just I, I feel like that is underappreciated somewhat. I, I wonder if maybe like he got so much uh like I wonder how he got so much latitude. Latitude. Yeah, I was going to say, there's almost a pun there. (laughs) Uh, um, Like, I, I wonder, I wonder how he got so much latitude because, like, it's it's so very unlike Apple. And I wonder if it maybe started out as a personal project that he decided to bring into Apple or something. Uh, I mean, obviously, that's not a question that we can answer by just theorizing. But it's obvious that this has been a long time in the making, and it's it's so, it's so good to see. It's so good to see. Well, did you see Apple's little line about open source
1: they chucked on their website, which they have since changed? I did not. What was it? What did it say? It was something like, Apple was the first major company to adopt open source, which everyone was just <laughs> like, no, Apple. <laughs> no. <laughs> so they've since changed that. But oh, God, it came across as so arrogant.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know that they, they are, can be a bit weird in that's in that sense i think they they're a little bit uh they they're, they're, they're I, I, i'm going to say they're a little bit proud of what they've done and i i think that's i think that's a good thing like that's i think that's reasonable for them to be proud of the fact that that you know they've they've open sourced all this stuff and they've gone far beyond anything that we that any of the developers expected in that in that sense mm. but at the same time, like it's very easy to cross that line and go from being like proud of the work that you do to being kind of fully yourself, yeah so it's so easy, it's so easy to do that, so I guess they I guess they cross that line, but it's good that they kind of then i guess realize that after everybody has pointed it out. that's true. it is good they changed it actually. I didn't think they would, I thought they'd just stick with it, but yeah yeah well it it would it would make sense, like you know why not why not stick with it i mean. We've put it out there, we might as well just, you know, keep going with it. But obviously you know, obviously they've actually listened. That's that is a like I think that's a good thing. I mean I I'm not going to, you know, rag on them for, you know, doing the wrong thing after they've, you know, tried to solve it and you know realised the error of their ways. I think I think that's fair.
1: Yeah. So one of the like I guess the biggest thing about the Swift open sourcing was the full on Linux support they're going for. So I was I was pretty pessimistic about open source Swift when they first announced it. Yeah, I was like, sure, they'll open source Swift, but it's going to be useless because it's going to rely on the Objective-C runtime. You're not going to have any of the stuff that you use normally on Swift, like Coco or Foundation or basically anything. So it's just going to be straight up, you can write some Swift scripts and that'll be about it, even if you can do that. Um, but no, I was, com- I was completely wrong. This open source Swift doesn't depend on the Objective-C runtime, which is ridiculous. Because the, orig- the original one did, and also it includes a version of Foundation, not the Foundation. So it is a rewrite. It's a Swift rewrite, and a lot of it is unimplemented. So they've realized that it might not have been that great if you didn't have all the things you're used to using in Swift. And
0: so they they wrote a, they rewrote Foundation, which is just crazy. Well, that that's just it. Like that Foundation is actually, I believe, going to be, to replace the existing Foundation.
1: Yeah, probably. Would make sense. Why else would they do it?
0: Well, I I I don't know, but I mean, it's so good because it means that the foundation that you use in I guess in Linux is going to be the exact same foundation that you use on iOS, which is amazing. And it also means that like the uh, that iOS will continue to move forward into like adopting Swift, which is which is great.
1: So, do you think all of that stuff about you know, so that when Swift was announced, there was all the talk about Objective C is dead, and then there were a lot of other people going. It's so not dead. Foundation is all Objective C and C plus plus. It's going to be around for a long time. Do you reckon this is the start of the end of Objective C?
0: No, I don't think so. Uh, I I think this is. It's actually really weird, and I the the whole announcement kind of had me want, like thinking about like whether or not Swift is going to like. This is the kind of bit where we see Swift start to take over. Partially because of the foundation thing. And I know that certain libraries that have come out that are, you know, Swift libraries, like third-party ones, they've been really Swifty, if that makes any mm-hmm. sense. You know, they've they've kind of run with, like, some of the things that Swift can do, which makes them unusable on Objective-C. As an example, uh, there's a library that came out that everybody keeps telling me about. Well, not so much anymore, but when it did come out, everybody was telling me about it, about it called Static. And it's mm. essentially it's essentially the same concept as my static tables, which is, you know, it's a data source for table views, except it's very Swifty. And they do a lot of things in Swift, which is amazing. And, you know, it's, a, it's very like they make use of the, the whole closure thing and, you know, that that sort of stuff. And obviously, you know, we've got blocks on Objective-C, but there are certain parts of it that just make it unusable on Objective-C. And maybe that's changed or whatever in since I last looked at it. But, you know, it's the sort of thing where, like, you know, it's perfect if you're going forward in Swift, but if you're still working on a project that's Objective-C or you're still continuing to use Objective-C, it means that you can't, like, you can't make use of that particular library. You've got to look elsewhere. I wondered if maybe that was going to happen with Foundation, but after having looked through some of the stuff that's there, it seems to be at this point in time anyway, that it's essentially just a rewrite of the Objective-C version. So, theoretically, they can make use of it. I mean, it it stands to reason that a lot of their stuff, a lot of Apple's stuff, it's going to take them a long time to ditch Objective-C internally. So, I don't necessarily see why they would rush to ditch it publicly, if that makes sense. Yeah.
1: Everything I hear about from Apple is that they don't use it internally. So... It's going to take them a long time to change that.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, you've got to like you've got to get your develop like you know your teams over to using it. So, apps like I, I don't know, like iTunes. I mean, how long is that going to take for them to rewrite in a in Swift? I'm sure that it mostly is wrote written in Objective C, if not like C. Yeah. So I can only see that as being this thing that's going to take like this massive rewrite. And I I'll I'll be honest, I I don't want that to happen because that doesn't that doesn't bode well for the future of like the OS or the future of iTunes itself unless they, you know, vastly simplify the app and yeah, I don't well, see that as being necessarily a good thing either. I kinda think they need a rewrite of
1: iTunes. It needs to be broken up. That's a separate topic, but you know, iTunes is like the most feature bloated app on the system.
0: Yeah, but it's a like the, the that's a huge project. Like, I can oh, see definitely. that taking almost as long as took them to, to write Swift. Yeah. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> so, I don't necessarily think Objective C is going away anytime soon. I don't even think it'll, like, I don't even think 10 years is a reasonable estimate. Like, I, I mean, obviously, Objective C is eventually going to go, but I, I, I think it'll be around for quite a long time before that happens.
1: Yeah, I, I think I agree with that. I think I'm sticking to my. Not for a long time view that I've always had.
0: That said, I, I think like the fact that it's now open sourced and that it works on Linux makes it kind of a, and obviously it's going to start working on other platforms. I already saw somebody did a, a, a version that lit, that works or partially works on ah uh, on another like a, another Linux thing. Okay, I've forgotten what it's called. yeah, so they currently it's just Ubuntu, right? Yeah. I keep thinking BOS, but that's like so old and that's not right. Um, Actually, you know what? It'll be in my history. Safari, where are you? Free BSD. Partial Hmm. free BSD. That's cool. And so, yeah, like it's obviously going to start working on other platforms, which makes it this kind of language that now, at least in like situations like mine where you're writing an iOS app or you're writing a Mac app and it might have a server component and you want to write your server component, but it's kind of a hassle. It's kind of a pain to have to know more than a you know more than a couple of languages. Mm. And if you're already writing in Swift and you don't want to learn, say Node or or Ruby or PHP or something like mm. that, then Swift is like an obvious choice now because it you can write at least tools like command line tools and stuff. Yeah, I'm so excited for that. Swift on the server is just feels great. Oh, I, I'm just waiting until there's a a thing for rounding the traffic for web stuff and oh, yeah. totally we, going for
1: it. we got to wait for like a Swift on Rails equivalent, Ruby on Rails equivalent. But yeah, it's going to be good. Yep. Hey, so another <laughs> unexpected thing we got was a portable version of Grand Central Dispatch. Also ridiculous. Really? I, didn't if, I didn't see that. Well, Swift doesn't really have anything built in for firing off a thread or whatever. And so they were yep. like, hmm, that's no good. How will people fire off threads on... Linux, I guess. I guess that's what they thought. And so, yeah, we've got Grand Central Dispatch too. Nice. And then they're like, hmm, well, people are going to want to write tests, right? People are going to want to write tests for right. their Linux code. So we got a portable version of XC Test. Like, this is why it took so long. Everyone was just saying, you've announced it's going to be open source. Just click open. Just untick private and tick public. But th- this is what they were working on, like
0: all this stuff. Yeah, I think this is actually like, I think this might be like the proper way to do open source.
1: <laughs> yeah, not only the proper way. I think they actually raised the bar.
0: Oh yeah, they've raised the bar. I feel kind of crappy about all the, you know, open source projects that I've let out there in in the universe because they certainly haven't had as much thought and and dedication put into them as as this has. I I'm I'm really I am really impressed with how that how this is kind of all gone because it's it's really well managed and it's so again it's so like not apple and it's so like they're using all these things that you wouldn't have seen apple use previously like i mean it's all on github yeah and all of open all of apple's open source stuff has lived in like their own kind of thing previously like i mean it, it's it's impressive and then like you know the the uh reporting bugs and stuff like that I was just it's all say in, that. like a
1: Jira instance it's, like it's not on radar
0: Ridiculous it's not like, on radar. so unheard of. Like you would never have guessed that. Can you actually read the bug reports? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. That like that's insane. And I hope that it means that Apple is starting to move in that direction. Like I hope this is going to act as a goalpost for Apple. Like, okay, we've seen how this that this works and that everybody loves this. Let's move in this direction. Like it's an obvious choice. So I hope I hope that that's what's going to happen. I hope so 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 much so so much yep i just looked the issues are open you can just read them i mean it's jira but we won't hold that against them <laughs> you can see the
1: actual you know apple team members commenting and everything yeah so just good. like we've always dreamed of so i've got i've got one other one that was i guess unexpected apple probably figured people are going to want an ide so we didn't get xcode yeah. for linux That would too far. But what we did get, SourceKit. SourceKit was open source. So SourceKit is kind of the thing that powers the syntax highlighting and all of that sort of stuff in Xcode. Right. And it's importantly, it's the bit that always crashes. So as you type Swift, every six characters you put in, your Xcode beach balls for a second, and then it loses all the highlighting, and then it comes back. That's SourceKit crashing and reloading over and over again. I see. So it used to bring up that little dialogue which I've heard rumors, I don't know if this is true. Apparently the dialogue was put in by the Xcode team to kind of shift the blame because everyone was blaming Xcode for crashing all the time. Right. So they moved SourceKit into its own process and every time it crashed, they displayed this dialogue to say SourceKit crash, SourceKit crashed. Uh, it's not our fault. It's not our fault. SourceKit crashed, SourceKit crashed. <laughs> and so they've since removed that dialogue because it crashes all the time. And so bringing up a dialogue so I mean, in two seconds was annoying. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so... So that bit has been open source. So now you can go and actually fix the all the things that somebody can actually to crash. fix
0: the bugs. <laughs> yeah, nice. And it also means that, like, if SourceKit is if SourceKit is now open source, it's going to be a lot easier for other IDEs to implement um, to implement that stuff. Right? Yeah, because it's going to. I'm right pretty sure there. that
1: was the actual idea of open sourcing it. But you know, yeah. fixing bugs in it is good too. So there are actually um, some server libraries that have already popped up. Oh really? Or are being being flagged as being worked on. I've seen a few of my Twitter feed, but there's like a major one from IBM.
0: IBM's working on one. Oh right. I don't think they've released it yet, but they announced it. I guess that makes sense because because IBM is the is the partner with Apple for putting Apple in like enterprise. Yeah. So that makes kind of a, a, a some some amount of sense because I believe they like they already do things to try and make that a a feasible thing like there's um, they've got stuff for enterprise like using ios d- devices in the enterprise so mm-hmm. i can i can see that as being a being a good thing oh, so exciting so many so many exciting things
1: all right so we've kind of listed all the unexpected things we had doesn't depend on objective c includes a version of foundation gcd xc test source kit bug tracking there's also one more really common complaint about i guess ios or Cocoa development in that there was no package yep. manager. So what did they do? They made a package manager. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, your mind
1: is blown, right?
0: Boom, I, boom. I, I, don't even have a, I don't even have a response to that because it's just, like, it's just so unexpected that people have been complaining about this and Apple has actually seems to have listened. Not only have they listened, have you seen who's working on it? I, I have not. Who is working on it? So we've got
1: Matt with three Ts, Matt. Right. Who has been silent for a while and now we know the reason. He was at Apple, and
0: his hipster guy,
1: and his hipster, yep. And we've also got Max Howell, who you might not know by name, but he is the main developer behind Homebrew.
0: Ah, oh. and there's a—he's the guy that that tried like that tried to get a job at Google or yes, something. Yes, that's or they, right. Like, they tried Hilarious. to offer him a job, and they they yeah. So he didn't
1: get the job. So I don't know if he applied yeah. for a job or they said hey, like they tried to recruit him. Like the recruitment team sent him an email and hooked him up with some interviews.
0: However, he worked, couldn't do something on a whiteboard. Yeah, something.
1: he couldn't do, like, say, balance a binary tree on a whiteboard. So there's that like famous tweet, mm. 95% of you use my code on your computers, but because I can't balance a binary tree on a whiteboard, I'm not good enough. And everyone sort of, like, retweeted that as, you know, technical uh, interviews are broken. And obviously Apple yes. agreed. So Apple looks like they hired him to write a package manager.
0: To essentially write Homebrew, but for Swift.
1: Yeah. So he's, like, super qualified.
0: Yeah. It's perfect.
1: Yeah, so okay, I had a a quick look at the package manager. So it's it's a super early yeah. version. You probably wouldn't use it yet. I guess maybe if you were doing Swift on Linux, you would have no choice. But it's definitely not good enough for, I guess iOS development today. So it's it's kind of an in-between between CocoaPods and Carthage. Like it's got a bit of both ideas. So like a quick recap. Okay. CocoaPods uses pod specs, right? Yes. And by default integrates the project for you, like makes a workspace and configures everything for you. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, we've got Carthage, who just believes all the information you ever need is in Git, all you should have to do is share a scheme for how to build your framework. So all we're going to do is resolve that dependency tree and build a framework for you. The rest is up to you.
0: Because it's based on the idea that you're developing your library or whatever using an Xcode project, and so all the information is there, yeah?
1: Yeah. The Swift Package Manager is somewhere in between that. So okay. it uses spec files. Right. So you're going to have to add support for the Swift Package Manager, but it doesn't currently, maybe it will in the future, don't know, it doesn't currently implement the actual dependency into your project for you.
0: Hmm. Okay.
1: And it's also currently just static libraries, which, which means you can't include resources in it. And it pretty much rules it out for right. iOS. Obviously, that's like just for now. It's not like they're only ever going to do static libraries, but.
0: Okay. And I definitely saw, like, as an example, somebody, somebody created a generator to create pod specs from Swift packages. I think it was the other way around. But yeah, I saw no, that too. It, it is this way around. Pod specs from, here's the link. Bam. Oh, okay. It's called chocolate, which apparently, <laughs> uh, guys, there is a, um, there is a thing called chocolate already. Uh, but I'm not talking about the movie that there is obviously a screen capture from. It, it's a. It's an app. It's a text editor. So not a great name, but yeah, you can create. So it generates CocoaPods pod specs from Swift package information. So theoretically, you could just use, you could just apply one. And mm. anybody that wants to continue using CocoaPods can use CocoaPods. At least they didn't call it paper. That's why
1: everything's called paper these days. (laughs) Uh, Yes. That
0: would have been hilarious.
1: Also, I just want to put in a quick side note here. It's semi-unrelated. But I'm kind of tired of all the blog posts that are basically saying, CocoaPods sucks because it it messes with your project. It doesn't have to do that. CocoaPods has a no integrate mode, just like Carthage. So every blog post out there that says... Carthage is the best. Carthage is so superior because I'm like an expert and I know what I'm doing. CocoaPods has the same mode. So please stop writing those blog posts. Thank you.
0: Yeah, uh, or or at least before you write those blog posts, why don't you actually read some documentation? And then uh, when you realize that you're actually wrong, then you can stop writing the blog post. Yeah. I
1: agree with some of the other points they make about CocoaPods is written in Ruby. So if you want to you know, help out your dependency manager cuz they're all open source. You also need to yep. know Ruby, which seems kind of crazy for cocoa development. Cool, valid point. Like
0: that one. I just yeah, just hate all the ones that like I said, and they're wrong. So, that's it. Hmm. Side note, we have an episode about uh CocoaPods and and Carthage uh in a previous episode. I, <laughs> I think we forgot to we mention that this.
1: actually cuz that might have been where I learned mm. it from that CocoaPods has no Yeah, we learned node. it because
0: of that. Because the following episode, we had follow-up in which we explained that you could basically get Carthage to work like CocoaPods and CocoaPods to work like Carthage. Yeah. So there's that. (laughs) So I'm complaining about us. But, you know, we learnt from our mistakes.
1: We did. So another cool thing that we got was not only did we get all the past, we got the future too. So the Swift roadmap is up there and it's up for discussion. It's not... So, again, I thought what would happen was... Either they just wouldn't talk about the future at all, and so you could basically make bug fixes, but implementing new features would kind of be like not allowed or not encouraged. Um, But no, so the Swift roadmap is fully up there. So, And not only is it up there, it's up for discussion. So they've got currently 2.2 and 3.0 and future, and you can go in there and make a proposal for why you think a certain feature or some sort of thing should be done in whatever version is really cool and it also means we got to see what's coming in the near future so swift 2.2 is pretty much what anyone expected it's bug fixes better warnings and improved compile times nothing nothing And less typos and less typos so many less (laughs) that was the most annoying part about swift development right like everything was just spelt wrong (laughs) Um, but i think i think more interestingly is we get to see what's coming in swift 3.0 which is slated for release around WWDC time next year. Um, and I, th- I believe when I just checked, currently the only actual approved proposal was the removal of plus plus and minus minus, which is like, huh, wasn't expecting that, but cool, don't really use them. Um, and part of that is also possibly removing C-style for loops because they're, yeah. they're pretty much never used anyway in Swift, so why have them?
0: Is the basic stuff. and they kind of that that they'll be kind of a pain to do if you are uh, yeah you, if you don't the have the plus, plus plus and, plus and minus and minus because that's like ninety percent of use of those for loops
1: so this, is uh, is using those I believe they're still keeping plus equals unless I got that wrong right so you just have to go plus equals one rather than plus plus
0: yeah I could be wrong about that but I mean the whole point like the the, the I mean this this suggestion that they should remove uh, the C style for loops where you use like you know conditions. It, it it makes it kind of makes sense, and especially since like ninety percent of the use of it is like I want to start at this integer, and when I get to this integer, you should stop, which is essentially looping through a range, right? Yeah, and oh, I'm definitely. pretty sure there is a way of doing that in Swift anyway, uh, using a for in loop instead, uh, which isn't going, which won't be going anywhere. Of course, so. yeah,
1: and you've also got if you need an index, you've got the enumerate methods, so you can say yeah for index comma whatever you want to call your object, in yeah. array dot enumerate. But I, I think it's really good to remove the C4 loops because they're really confusing. Obviously, we don't really think so because we've, we've basically learned how to do them. But for beginners, the fact that you either have to do less than or equals to the count or less than the count because everything is zero indexed, like it, yep. it doesn't read well. And it only reads well to us because we're so used to it. But if you try and think about that as a beginner... That doesn't read well at all. It's confusing. So yeah, I like that change. The next change is what's called ABI stability, which basically means the underlying workings of the language, so how it actually interacts with memory and the structures that it uses, they're going to call that basically stable and complete. And what this will fix is backwards compatibility. So currently, if you write a library for Swift, you can only support... One version of Swift, so when a new version of Swift comes out, you basically have to update your library, or else no one's going to use it. But it then means that people who haven't updated their projects to the latest version of Swift can't use your library. Uh. which is weird, so you can't so a lot of people didn't make the move, I, I guess to Swift 2.0. They were still on one point, yep. I think two, one point two. Yep. and so they just can't use any of the libraries, and it also works in reverse. So some libraries were never updated someone didn't accept the pull request or something. Yeah. And it it means you can't use them even though their code is like fully wrapped up in methods. So to your project it looks exactly the same as a 2.0 project. Right. Like you just call methods because the underlying implementation of those methods was in 1.2. They were unusable.
0: Oh. Uh, that's not great. Yeah, right? Not great.
1: And they obviously they knew this, yeah. but they did it as a way to move forward fast, like not having to worry about that kind of stuff was what allowed them to move, to keep developing. So that should be fixed, apparently. That's the goal, mm. which is very cool. Another one is generics improvements, which, to be honest, I didn't even know they needed improving. I, didn't, <laughs> I guess I didn't understand it fully. Um, but they're going for a full generic system now. So an example I've found is currently, if you have an array of equatables, yeah, that type itself, array equatable, is not equatable. But it should be, because everything in it is equatable, so the array itself should be equatable. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff they're trying to fix. And it's just a limitation of the incomplete generic implementation at the moment. Okay. Another one I've seen commented on is typed throws. So currently throws, and it's like biggest complaint from everyone was Swift is so opinionated on being strongly typed everywhere, but then errors weren't strongly typed. It just seemed weird. And apparently there was a reason for that, which I can't remember now. But that is one of the proposals up. Chris Lattner's commented on it, saying he thinks it's a good idea. They want to do it, so this is that's what's cool. Like you can now actually make complaints and get responses in the open. So exciting! Yeah, no, it's so good. So I guess Twitter for the Swift team kind of became the default radar. So when you look through the Swift code, they've they've even got a repo or a section of one of the repos for fixed crashes and so many of them at the top of the file have the tweet that references the crash cuz people just started reporting them on Twitter they would submit a radar and then tweet someone from the swift team the radar number yeah and an well, example
0: given given radar given the way that radar is right now it's not it's not great radar isn't great and in the lead up obviously to this all of this happening it's the sort of thing where you know the, the 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 Swift team. They want to be able to fix stuff, but they. I'm I'm guessing like it, at the very least that it's just really hard to find things in Radar. Like it, that that seems to be what the problem biggest problem is is that they just like something that gets added to Radar and it just never surfaces. Like you are actually shouting into a void, which is really sad. But this is this is a good step in the right direction in that in that sense. So we talked about, like, I think a few episodes back, we actually talked about like the differences between, like, for instance, Google's you know, bug tracking and and, mm-hmm. and radar. And obviously, Google came out a lot better in that scenario because radar is horrifyingly bad. But this is a def- this is like this shows that like that it could be the same for Apple. Like Apple could you know could do it a whole lot better and kind of wants to on un- like un- underneath everything, but radar is kind of sitting in the yeah. way. The individual teams definitely seem to want to, they know it's bad, yeah, um, and I know at least you know I know at least one person has told me that like they don't they no longer submit radars uh unless they know the person that they should you know tweet at in order to get it fixed, mm. because it's it's broke, it's broke, so broke, but he's hoping that as time goes on, like the, he's hoping like I said before that this acts as a goalpost as as a beacon to to the rest of you know the of apple and we either move radar in this direction uh or or ditch radar i mean i I'll, I'll be happy to ditch radar in favor of in favor of jira if if that if that needs to happen but uh in order to make you know these this sort of a change but overall like uh, I, I this is amazing and the fact that the fact that like now the language is open sourced and foundation is open sourced, or you know you know the foundation that we, w- we use will be open sourced as of uh, three point which is when it's slated for actual release. That's a huge step forward, right? Like that's a huge oh, step forward that we can now like it's a leap. You can now, if you have a problem while developing and you've come across a bug, there is a fairly good chance that it's either in it's it's either in like the like the language or in foundation because that's kind of the underpinnings of everything else in in the iOS ecosystem so it's oh it's so good it's so good and maybe hopefully one day you know UI kit and and the rest will also kind of head this direction hopefully hopefully so if you want to try it out if
1: you want to have a go at i guess at swift development or even if you just want to try out um a new version of swift you can actually launch xcode i'm not sure if this feature was already there or not but yeah. there is a way to launch xcode now with a beta version of swift right um so i've got a blog post that talks you through it but basically you have to download swift the swift repo and build it obviously because you need the the toolchain and then it's just a command line prompt i think it's xcode-use custom toolchain or something and then you give it a give it a path Okay. And then it will just work. Yeah. I mean, it's beta, so expect crashes. Yeah, obviously. But that's how you can do it. I don't think I would do it for, like, if you were trying to, say you had a new project and you knew Swift 2.2 would be out by the time it was released and you didn't want to go through that um, upgrade when it did get released. Yeah.
0: I guess technically yeah.
1: you could start developing in 2.2 today. Very
0: risky. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'd do it or not, but you could. The amount of changes that could happen, I guess. Although, I mean, it's probably more risky to go 3.0 than it is 2.2 in all. Honesty. Definitely, I
1: don't think I'd do 3.0 at all. It doesn't even look like it's working yet. Yeah. But anyway,
0: and and you can you can install on a servant like now. I I I spent some time uh, over the weekend installing Swift on one of my on one of my boxes. I, I have a uh, I have a couple of boxes on. Um, on DigitalOcean, which you know run my various things, and so I just I installed Swift on one of them. Um, didn't wasn't it wasn't particularly difficult. It, I mean, it didn't go exactly according to plan. I ran into an issue that if it goes off if it goes off script as far as like the the documentation is concerned on the on the Swift website, then you kind of have to figure it out for yourself. In my particular instance, uh, it turns out that uh, I want to say LLVM requires lib python okay uh, and my box didn't have lib it had python but it didn't have lib python or python lib or something like that which is weird uh so i had to install like i had to like obviously i had to install like the, all the dependencies that uh you know swift requires but then i also had to install that uh, even though it wasn't specified on the
1: so on is the website. is swift in some form of linux package manager yet like apt get or whatever
0: the ones uh, I didn't see it. I can actually give me two secs, and I can uh, exit the REPL and go apt cache search Swift. There is a lot of Swift things. I'm going to say no. There like is already a Swift, Swift package, but it is not Swift language. It's the distributed op- virtual object store, which actually makes it really hard to like search for. For search, search for stuff related to like server side Swift, mm-hmm. you know, on Google or, or, or Stack Overflow or anything. So I, I don't, I, I guess I have to use Swift Lang to, in, in order to get around that, maybe. I don't know. But there, you yeah, know, it's, it's not in apt, it's not in apt get yet, according to what I've got anyway. But I mean, it installs fine and I, I can run the, the REPL Swift and I, I, like in it. So I'm using the 2.2 dev and you can, you know, you can, Building, bring in like the libraries, the Linux libraries. So um, import on the on the website. It's like it shows you that you can use the um, the new the new C C library. Mm-hmm. So glibc, uh, and you can get that and you can use all the functions from it. Which um, you know, which means that you can actually now, right now, write uh, you know write scripts and stuff in order to do things. So it's the sort of thing where like I mean, I'm going to start using it probably to you know, write some scripts that PHP doesn't do very well at and, and try it out. So, you know, for instance, I have a script at the moment that processes statistics based on, you know, podcast downloads and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's not great, but it will hopefully, you know, hopefully Swift is a lot faster at doing that, especially since it's not just a, it's not a uh, just-in-time compiled language. It's like a pre-compiled thing. So that always speeds things up. Yeah, it's exciting. Yeah. No, I'm I'm so glad that like I'm so glad that we've got we've actually now got Swift on like on a server that you can you can actually write things because it means that it's I I've had the realize come to the realization recently that you know it's really hard to jump between language and like, like languages I find it really difficult now I I don't know necessarily why but I've I've started to realize that I find it difficult to like jump between for instance PHP and and Objective C. And it's not because like they're terribly difficult languages. I mean, PHP is like one of the easiest languages to learn. I mean, it's part of the reason why a lot of people learn it. But like, I, I I find I'm finding that I'm jumping between things and just forgetting stuff. Like I've realized that I'm it's it's like I know how to ride a bike, but I pick the bike up. I'm like, what do these things do? You know, twist the pedals around. It's like what?
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. Like, yeah, you just forget the basics. Like you're constantly googling. How to write for loop in Swift.
0: <laughs> so it's so good that this is all kind of converging and hopefully going forward into the future, forward into the future, swiftly. Yep. <laughs> I went there. You did. So that's a pretty good roundup. It's a pretty good... I, I'm very excited about this whole thing. I'm excited about Open Source Swift. It's great. It's such a great thing to see. And there's a lot of things that you can read and uh, about Open Source Swift. And uh, we will throw a few links into the show notes at the very least uh, so that you can do that. They will be on the website, on our website, mobilecouch.co forward slash 72. And if you'd like to also email us and tell us about something that you're excited about when when it comes to like open source Swift, maybe there's, Maybe you wrote like some some bug fixes or something, and you've had them submitted, and you just want to you know you just want to brag to somebody. Then you can send us an email and do exactly that. Uh, Our email address is hello at mobilecouch.co, or you can jump on the website again mobilecouch.co forward slash contact if you would like to talk to us individually. You can do that as well. Ben is on Twitter, Ben Trangrove, B E N T R E N G R O V E, and I'm jelly bean soup thank you everybody for listening thank you thank you thank you so much it has been a great pleasure to talk to you again we look forward to talking to you again in two more weeks time until then goodbye
1: bye